turn to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. I'll try not to get in your wallets while I'm preaching this morning because uh, if you have financial issues, see Begin, see Brother Steve. They've had a whole uh, history of working in the financial word, uh, work, work place, and they can help you in those things. But go to 1 Corinthians 4, and we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the word of God and all it means to us. And Lord, we pray as we preach the word this morning that hearts will be challenged to be what you'd have them to be and guide us in the way that we should go as we walk forward in the things that you have for the kingdom of God here in Mason, Ohio. So bless us, we pray, and whatever we say, may you, Holy Spirit, anoint it, anoint the minds and ears of the hearers, that, Lord, it would uh, sink deep into their spirit and allow them to realize what you want them to understand about your eternal word this day. Help us in every way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we have... Uh, in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I just want to read the first two verses. It says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministries, mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Well, we was, I was dealing with that portion of faithfulness in the scriptures, and I just uh, wanted to get... Uh, some thoughts going that way. Most of the time, again, when we think of faithfulness, most of us will, re will refer to money or finances and, uh, because in this world, what else have we got to worry about? If you got way too much money like me, that's just one last thing you got to worry about when you got all that money just laying around. While true stewardship does uh, start, if you would, with our individual responsibility to the things of this world, like tithing, giving, helping, and being accountable for our actions, there are many categories in stewardship besides, if you would, finances. This morning, I just want to look at our personal daily walk with God in a little more broader terms of stewardship. When Jesus gave us the parable of what we call the parable of the talents, you know it, I'm not going to read it. Um, Brother referred to it in his message yesterday. Um, no doubt in the first century, what he was talking to those folks when he said talents, talents to them was a form of money. Okay? And it said that the good man of the house, or however he states it, um, wanted to give ten talents to some, five talents to another, and one talent. You know the parable, right? I don't have to read that, right? If you don't, look it up when you get home. Okay. And when he went to a far country, when he came back, he asked those three fellows, or whoever they were, to give an account of what they did with those talents or money. Now, we think of talents in a different frame of mind when we think of it. We think of talents as being able to tap dance or, or sing or play a guitar. Those are talents as we think. But in the Bible, it was referring to money or property or some kind of uh, whatever of worth that this man had them in charge of. Well, uh, we know that in going on into that, we found that the guy that had five talents increased. 
and when this Lord came back, he had ten. And the one that had uh, five, uh, the one with ten had twenty, and the one with five had ten, and the one that only had one, he said, uh, I, I don't know whether it's really worth doing anything with. He kind of put it in a savings account and waited on him to come back and gave him back the one talent that he had. And in, uh, when he did that, Jesus kind of had a snarl or rebuke in his voice as he talked about it. And I told him, no, nah, that's not what you should have done. But then he comes down and finishes that out by saying, no man can serve two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other, or you'll hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word mammon, again, is a first century term for money. Now, now, do we see money in what we look at? When we look at those things, we don't look at talents and money now in, if you would, the physical sense. For the most part, none of us have any. But on the other hand, what we need to do is apply that spiritually. What you do have, what God has given to you in whatever form you want to look at it, you need to use that talent or mammon or whatever you want to call it um, in the way that brings glory to God. So that if he comes back and looks for you again next month or a year from now, you should have grown in your walk with God spiritually. Amen? Amen. Hopefully, you're not at the same place you was when you got saved 35 years ago. Somehow along the line, you should have picked up some stuff and grown in what you're... That's what Christ is saying. We need to grow in all the things that he gives us. Now, uh, we've got to agree that money is something that we all need to manage or we're not going to survive successfully in this world. Amen? I've seen a lot of people handle a lot of money, and it don't take long for it to disappear. Amen. How many of you still got your stimulus check and haven't spent it all yet? Well, that's pretty good management, see? But there are people I know, as soon as they got that stimulus check, hey, they went and got the new car they've been looking at or new pickup truck or whatever. They found somewhere to spend it. There are people that when it comes to managing money, basically just live from paycheck to paycheck. Amen. That's not really a good way to survive. So when we think about uh, us surviving in this world with, the, if you would, the finances we get, but this morning I want you to focus more on spiritually that there are a few things we must also be accountable to God for the things that he's given us if we're going to be successful in our walk of salvation with God. That's what Paul was inspired to write in the whole, uh, by the Holy Spirit here in 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 to the church in Corinth. I would say of the, all the cities that are listed in the New Testament, of course, we're talking about Corinth and Ephesus and uh, all the different churches and Philippi, all of them, Corinth probably was the one that had the most business happening in that city. All right? So there was probably a lot more 
merchandise exchange and everything. It was right on the seashore and a whole lot of the ships that brought goods from other countries into this country uh, that we're dealing with, they came through Corinth's ship ports. And a lot of those people were financially. Do you know there's a, a lot of rich people in New York? You know there's a lot of rich people in California? Huh. You know why? Well, they have access to what's going on in the ocean and around. I don't know why it's all this. Do you know how much it costs to live in New York? Do you know how much it costs to live in California? Uh, before you say, oh, that's a beautiful state, I need to move it, you might want to take a look at the finances of those in those states, the taxes and everything that goes with it. Uh, you may not want to get there as quick as you thought. But here we have Corinth, and Paul is talking to the born-again believers, and he wants them to know we all have to take an account of what God has given us. Amen? Now, he doesn't really, if you want to get into it, uh, get into their finances and all that, but all we have to understand is we all are accountable, first of all, of the things that God's done for us in a couple of categories that I want to talk about and that Paul talked about. One, we're all ministers of Christ. Now, he says it here in the first verse, and a lot of people read that as though he was talking about himself being a minister of Christ and as though maybe Paul or Silas and Timothy and different ones that he would have named in this letter. But come on, we're all ministers of Christ. You know what it takes to be a minister of Christ? Salvation and influence over someone else. Do you have influence over anybody? Of course we do. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's always going to be striving to use you to develop influence over someone else. So we all are, if you would, according to verse 1 there, ministers of Christ. And number two, we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, is it a mystery to you what God wants you to do in your life? Probably not. For the most part, we know God wants us to be the ministers we should be. And uh, there are people around us, though, that are in this world, believe it or not, spiritually, totally lost. They're gone. They're blind. They can't see. They don't know what's coming next. And whose responsibility would you think that falls on to open their eyes to what they need to feed them and get them on the path that God wants them to be on. Well, it belongs to the ministers of Christ. Now, when we think of ministers in Christ, let me say this right up front. All of us have that responsibility. It's a personal responsibility we accept when we become a born-again Christian. Amen? For... Uh, the way the, in the, the church in Corinth looked at it and the way some of us perceive it nowadays is a, a minister has been viewed as maybe pastors or overseers or elders or deacons or bishop and even the word minister is in the scripture. And a lot of people think that, well, that's the guy that gets paid there to stand up and yak every Sunday morning. Well, that includes him but it also includes the rest of us. Amen. I'm not going to be here forever. Some of you need to get ready to step up and take over. I'm getting too old for this, right? You get my age, you start 
looking for the horizon, you know what I mean? But here we go. The different church groups or different locations use different terms for the people that lead those churches, amen? And when someone reads the scripture and sees these terms, they need to look beyond a person and see a responsibility that God is talking to them about when he talks about the ministers of Christ. Amen? We need to make sure that all the roles or all the opportunities or all the things that the church should be getting accomplished in the work around the church, those jobs are covered. There, somebody's stepping up to the plate, if you would, to take care of all those things. So, be sure when you read or hear these terms in Scripture, you don't shove that responsibility off on someone else, but you take on some of that responsibility yourself to be what you need to be as a steward of the work of God. Amen? It's good that a church leader shows up consistently for church services. Amen. Now, I don't know how good a pastor I'd be if I only came about once a month. Hmm. That's good that a church leader has time set aside at home for daily reading, for prayer, for meditation, for study, and for time for the Holy Spirit to speak through him or use him to do the job that he's been called to. To do. I would recommend any of you that want to be a pastor, first thing you need to do is make sure you're called of God. Otherwise, it's going to be a real tough task for you to keep up. Amen? Number three, it's a good that the church leader takes time to pray individually and collectively for, as the situations are called for throughout his walk with God. And to be honest with you, anyone that accepts the position of leadership in a local congregation should feel the responsibility to maintain these attributes in their personal life and then try to guide others around them, such as their family and their neighbor, in those responsibilities by a personal example. They may not agree with the words you say, but they shouldn't be able to doubt the life you live. Amen? Like Mother Teresa said, we should always witness. And sometimes you can use words. They'll read your life before they'll hear your sermon. Amen? Let me give you an example. When someone is sick or has an anniversary or birthday or graduation, it'd be a good thing to... Send them a card of acknowledgement along those lines, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. That's pretty much being thoughtful or in tune with them. Well, I'm not that thoughtful, but Bonnie is. Amen. Now, they don't need to get two cards from my household, so I'm glad she sent one. What's that saying? Her, she feels that responsibility, and I don't feel it. There's no sense sending two. Amen. Well, I can just text them and tell them how I feel in seven words or less. Yeah. Well, you can do that, um, and that's fine, but does it have the personal touch you want it to have? Amen. Or is it what God is calling you to say 
under those circumstances. Um, we can set a, uh, a well wishes to them in any form we want nowadays, but you know, it's just nice for someone that's not feeling well to know someone else is praying for them. Amen. I've heard people say that they were sick and they could feel the prayers of the saints. Amen. That on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, they said, I started feeling better. I knew the church was praying for me. Amen. We had a guy come to our prayer breakfast yesterday. His mother got one of our prayer blankets. And she was so thankful. She sits there and everywhere she goes, she gets comments on how nice that blanket looks. And she tells them, the church sent it to me. Well, what's that say? Amen. That opens doors of ministry for us to be the stewards God wants us to be. Part of being a minister is reaching out to those around you that need encouraging or that need prayer or even sometimes a kick in the pants. Now that's spiritually, not physically. Amen? Sometimes somebody's got to get, jerk a knot in your tail, straighten you out. Amen? Amen. But it has to be someone that you have influence over because if you're running around kicking everybody in the pants, it ain't going to be long that they're going to start kicking back. Amen? So make sure you do it as the steward that God has called you to be. Amen? So it doesn't have to be the pastor all the time doing the kick in the pants. Amen? You see somebody not measuring up to what you know they should be measured up to, and they've even testified about it. That's what always got me. I'd go to church and somebody would stand up and testify, oh, God showed me this. Two weeks later, they're living the exact opposite. That's when the kick in the pants comes in. Now, that's just from the pastor. But here, so who then is a minister? It's anyone that has influence over someone, and it can help them to keep them up to date, if you would, or accountable, whatever term you want to use, in their walk with God of salvation. Amen. There are people that need uh, ministered to that the pastor may not even be aware of the situation. Amen. I've talked to people. Now, I'm always open to pray for somebody that's not feeling well or sick or whatever, and somebody be missing for a couple Sundays, and then they come back, and I say, I missed you for a couple weeks. Are you okay? Oh, I was in the hospital. I was here. I was, and I had no idea. Nobody told me. You know, I would have been gladly to go visit them, if you're allowed visitors, number one, and pray for them. Amen. That's kind of a responsibility I feel as a pastor that I should be doing. But if you don't tell me, I know you think I'm a mind reader. Yeah, I'm reading yours right now, Paul. All right. All right, never mind. But I'd love to be able to help people as they go through their struggles. What's the matter, Steve? Okay. <laughs> But if I don't know their situation, my hands are tied, if you would, spiritually speaking. I can't help them if I don't know what the situation is. I can't even pray for them. I can't even suggest something to them. And I, if they need money, I can't even open my wallet if I don't know. So if you need money, let us know. Steve's got plenty. Amen. 
But if you don't know the situation, guess what? We're left out in the dark. We're stumbling over situations that God wants us to be stewards of. Amen. Now, we don't want a bunch of whiny babies that every time their want or wishes aren't handled, they come crying for more money and more help. But we want you to suck it up, so to speak, sometimes for yourself when it comes to being a steward because everybody's in this together. I don't mind being a good steward on my part, but I expect you to be a good steward on your part. Amen? Sure. Amen. So when we get to those places, uh, we need to make sure that the needs of everyone are taken care of, and sometimes the ones that they need to step up and cover for themselves get taken care of also. But remember, no one is going to give you permission to help them if they don't see your accountability in your own life first. If they don't have any confidence in what you're doing, in other words, Brother Jack used to say, I'm not going to call on a car mechanic that's got four cars sitting on blocks in his front yard. That's just not the kind of car mechanic I want working on my vehicle. Amen? Well, the same is true with Christians. Amen? If you're slobbering around and stumbling in the dark in your walk with God, they're not going to ask you to help with their experience or with their situations. We have to be up to date in our own. You see, it'd be hard for me to teach tithing if I didn't tithe. Amen. That's just the way it is. Amen. It'd be hard for me to, to teach feet washing if every time we had a feet washing service, you thought it wasn't important and you didn't show up. Amen. Amen. It'd be hard for me to promote Sunday school attendance if I wasn't there myself. Amen. If you see me in the pulpit on Sunday morning, you can assume, if you want to, that I was in Sunday school an hour ago. Amen. That's just the way it is. I don't come just to sit here and, and be seen of you to speak to what God has for I come for the whole gamut of what's going on. Amen. Besides, we do have good coffee. And sometimes cookies and fruit and different things. Hey, why not come for all of it, right? Amen. All right. But then he got, Paul goes on there in verse 2. And this is the key to being the good steward in the kingdom of God that God wants you to be. He said it's required. Hmm. Required? You mean Sunday school is required? Feet washing's required? Tithing's required? Huh. Well, it's required in students that a man be found faithful. Now, when I say faithful, what does that register in between your eardrums? What does that mean, faithful? Someone you can count on. And he says here, it's required. That means it's not an option. If you're going to try to present yourself as a child of God, born again, living the Christian life, it's required of you that you be found faithful. Amen? I went to college a long time ago, and it probably doesn't even show nowadays. But when I went there, they required some courses I take. I could care less about English, but it was required. Amen. I didn't really care all that much for history that was 
4,000 years ago, but it was required. If I wanted to graduate or I wanted to move on in my education, it was required that I took those prerequisite courses because they wouldn't let me go to the next class till I passed those classes. Amen. You're not going to get your PhD in whatever you want it in if you don't have history and math and English and on and on and on. They, I think they even now require, in some schools, they require a foreign language. I guess hillbilly would require, and I could graduate. Amen? So all these things we need to do to make sure that we meet the requirements God wants us to do. If you want to get a degree from God and be promoted to higher standards, we must pass the required positions first. And that is to be faithful. Amen? When I think about a steward or anything else or being a steward, first and foremost, my thought goes to someone that's faithful. Amen. I think faithful and honesty go together. Amen. I trust people and to prove to me that they're honest until they prove different. Amen. My dad said anybody will lie to you will steal from you. If they steal from you, they'll lie to you. That's not being faithful. So we watch for those characteristics in a person so that we can find out what they're trying to do. The principle that Jesus taught his disciples in the crowds in the first century still apply in the 21st century. Amen. If you're going to be faithful in the five talents or the two talents or the one talent or whatever, God's looking at their faithfulness that you've got to have there. So if you say that they're not faithful in some things, they're probably not faithful in other things that you don't see. Amen? We have to live within the accountability of the parameters that the Word of God teaches us to be the child of God God wants us to be. When Jesus is teaching on the, the stewards, took in the fact that some had ten, some five, some one, that scripture says it was according to their several abilities. God doesn't have favorites, but he knows not everybody has the same abilities. Some of us have been around the kingdom of God for longer than some other, others of us. And we should have learned some things along the line. And so when God comes down and asks us to do some things for the kingdom of God, that's going to take somebody with a lot of experience. He's going to look for an experienced person. Amen. Even in the Bible, when it talks about being a pastor or elder or deacon, it says don't, go, don't look to the novice. What's a novice mean? Someone that's young in the faith. Why? Because they've not been through all the temptations and all the problems and all the circumstances that will callous up, a, if you would, a person that can use their ability to be better at the position God's calling them for. Amen. I believe that how many of us are, are givers um, is not near as important as how many of us uh, are doing what we are supposed to be doing with what we're given. You can't be, really be a giver to someone else unless maybe somewhere along the line you experience giving given to you. Amen. 
Amen. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Some people want to look at um, climbing the ladder maybe on their job. Well, it's easy to climb the ladder when the guy ahead of you is giving you a hand up rather than stepping on your fingers as you're trying to climb up to him. Amen. Now, once you've been up a few rungs on the ladder, what do you think you should do? You lend a hand to bring the next person up to the position you was in or the position that God is calling them to move up the ladder and take charge of. Amen. So I believe if you'll learn to be a giver, that'll help you in your stewardship with God. Jesus said to those that had five or ten or whatever, if they were successful, he was going to give some more to them. Amen. Whether you're at the one talent step or the two talent or five or ten, whatever it is, God, Christ comes into that situation. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. He's looking for the good and faithful servant, not the number that you're carrying or not even how much more you can carry. He wants to know if you've been faithful in what he has given you. So as a side note, there could be those given ten or five or even one when called to give an account may have only had ten, five, and one when he came back. And they would have had those taken away from them and given to someone else because even if they was given ten, it's not a guarantee that they're going to be faithful to those ten. You need to work at it in your walk with God. Amen? And they will be given to someone that is accountable and faithful. And on the other hand, if you was only given one, and he had been faithful to use that one responsible, responsible then you can add more to him that only had one he too would have fallen into the faithful category even though he started with just one. If he had been faithful to that, he would have been able to move on. So the bottom line is, how much are you given? It's not how much you're given, I left the word out. But rather, what do you do with what God has given you? It's not how much you was given, what do you do with what God has given you? Amen. When I think in these terms, I think of spiritual gifts. And there's tons of spiritual gifts. I don't want to say how many because I don't want to misrepresent. And you say, aha, he's not a smart pastor. He didn't know how many. Well, there are some that are even questionable whether they're spiritual gifts or not. But God does in his word. Listen, I think I taught one time on about 38 of them. Amen. There's a couple of them you don't want. You know what that is? Do you know it's a spiritual gift to be a martyr? And if you want to step up, have your head cut off, and say, boy, I'm doing it for Jesus. But it takes a spiritual gift or an accountability or a responsibility to say, God's called me for this purpose. Amen. You ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Tells you about a lot of them. I've heard a lot of missionary stories where the person that went over there um, was killed by the people in the other countries uh, whether they were savages or however you want to look at it or just didn't accept 
that person. But when they saw him go through that martyr situation, that whole tribe turned around and gave their heart to Christ. And there's still tribes like that in different parts of the world, if you would, living for Christ because of that martyr. That's not a spiritual gift we're going to step up and volunteer for, but if God sends it your way, you'll accept that cross just as much as any other spiritual gift or any other cross that Jesus says we must bear. So, you see, if God sees you as a steward of the gifts you have and you use them for the benefit of the church and for the gospel of Christ, God may be wanting to gift you more in that area as well as even some other areas. There's a lot of things that need to be done in the kingdom of God. And sometimes there's not enough hands to get it all done. I believe the Bible teaches us about spiritual gifts and stewardship is that God is checking us out individually and what he wants us to see is growth. Growth is what he's looking for. And, of course, also with that, sanctification. Are you shedding the things that shouldn't be in your life and accepting the things that God's pointing to you that should be a part of your life? That's sanctification. Everybody makes a big deal out of it, oh, second work and all. No, sanctification is just walking where God wants you to walk. Amen. The longer you live for Christ, the closer to his image you should appear to be. Amen? And it's all based on how faithful you are to the calling God's put in your life. Now, I'm not God. Never pretended to be. But it seems to me that there are more things that should be getting done for the kingdom of God than are getting done for the kingdom of God. Well, you say, we live in a terrible world. Man, there's riots everywhere and there's division everywhere and everybody's fighting woke and all that, all that other. You know what? The darker the night, the brighter your light should shine. The more ungodliness you're around, the brighter your godly life should shine to those that aren't walking where they should be walking. Amen? Well, Jesus taught a parable in, in John, the 15th chapter, and I just want to read a little bit about it to you, and, and we'll draw a couple thoughts from it. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I'm the vine, my father's the husbandman. Now, that's what terms you would use if you were growing a vineyard. In the first century, being a vineyard was very prosperous financially. Amen? And it was also very necessary. Water wasn't worth drinking, but grape juice was. Amen? And he said if God owns the vineyard and Jesus is the vine, look at it that way, you all that want to be Christians are part of the branches and we're looking for fruit. Okay? So here's what he says. Every branch in me that bringeth, for, bringeth not fruit is taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit, it pur he purgeth it, 
and it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So we're looking for fruit. Let's think about it. If we put two and two together and come up with four, we're on the right track. Amen? So if you, if we're to be good, faithful stewards of God, it's imperative that we abide in Christ. Just like the branch has to be attached or abide in the vine. How's that branch going to get the nutrients? It needs to bear fruit. It doesn't have any roots in the ground, but the vine does. The vine can bring the moisture out of the ground, nutrients out of the soil, send them up the vine, give them to the branches, and guess what? Voila, we got fruit. We got grapes. Everything's working out. How's that sound? Amen? So that's the way we need to look at it. Amen. But if you look at the last line in verse 5, it says for. Now that's one of our study words. You know that, right? It means what? It means because. That's what the word for means. It means because without me or without Christ, ye, all of you, that's the plural form of the word you, can do nothing. We're just beating our head against the concrete if we're going to try to produce fruit in the kingdom of God and not be attached as good stewards, faithful stewards, to Jesus Christ. We're not going to get the job done. It's not going to work. Amen. That's why I believe Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, moreover, it's required that we be found faithful. Amen. Let me say this to you for those of you that are looking for success in the kingdom of God. The only place that success is found before work is in the dictionary. You'll never be successful till you put your hands to the plow and go to work for God and let God bless you and use you to put the success in your life that you need. The only time Christ will ever say, well done to you, is when you've been a faithful in the calling that's on your life in the things of God. So this morning, the real question is, do you see the prize as being worthy of the sacrifice? Do you know that's going to cost you something to be a child of God? It's not free. Now, we even talk on Flag Day or Memorial Day. Freedom is not free. It costs something. You know, even though we didn't uh, have to stand up to defend the liberty and the freedoms we have as Americans, it costs somebody. Amen. Well, it's the same way when we think about Christianity. There's sacrifices that were made by Christ, first of all, on the cross, by the apostles as martyrs in the kingdom of God, as others have carried down the cross, if you would, of what Christ taught from season to season, from year to year, 
and brought it to us in the 21st century. And now it's our turn to make sure that we live it in such a way that in the 22nd century, someone will know how to live for God. Amen? Now, if you need a good financial advisor, they're going to tell you some things that you need to do to keep your finances in check. Now, I'm not preaching on them, but I'm using it as an example. It's not good to live from paycheck to paycheck. That's really not the best way you can do it. There are times, and I know when all of us started out, you know, we even sometimes had to borrow to get to our paycheck because we was, if you would, out of balance in how we were living faithfully before God in the, or in this world, how we do it. A good financial advisor will say, make a budget and stick to it. Amen? You have to realize when you make a budget that there's a difference between your wants and your needs. Amen? The same is true in the spiritual world. When you get into the Christian walk with God, you need to assess what your abilities are and where you believe God wants to take you to. And if you want to go from A to B in that scenario, you have to also know the difference between the wants and the needs to get there. Amen? So that's what you need to understand. We need to put some things away, an advisor financially would tell you, for emergencies or even retirement. Joe, you got a retirement account. Come on, man. You better start now. All right, good. How about you, Judy? Ah, all right, never mind. I wanted to know if you got money for me. All right, all right. Anyway, you never know when emergency is going to come up. All right, but here we go. There are going to be times you need to be ready for an emergency, ready for retirement. Because once you walk out and turn the keys into the building where you used to be the foreman of and give it back to the guys that are in charge of it now, they're not going to send you a paycheck every week. Amen? Unless you made plans and some kind of benefit to have some income after you leave there, you're going to be in bad shape. A financial advisor will tell you that. Well, guess what? It's no different in the kingdom of God. Amen. A financial, spiritual advisor will tell you you need to get your spiritual life in order because you don't know where God's going to use you in the future. Amen. Don't try to spiritually just live from Sunday service to Sunday service because there's going to be emergencies come up between and you need to have enough spiritual faithfulness built into your spiritual budget if you would that God can use you even when tough times hit amen God has much more for you as a Christian than to survive from Sunday to Sunday amen because if you miss a Sunday and you're only good for seven days the last next seven days, you're going to be dragging your tail trying to pick up the pieces, aren't you? You're not going to get through that emergency the way you thought you should have gotten through it. Amen. So what we need to do is find a calling.
that God has for you and stick to it. Amen. Amen. People that change jobs every three weeks probably are never going to be financially set the way they want to be. And people that jump from church to church or calling to calling ever so often probably are not going to find the growth in their spiritual life that God desires for them to have. Amen? So we live uh, close enough to God that if you do have an emergency rise up, a, a situation, and I can guarantee you one will show up. You know why? Because there's a devil out there to make sure it does going to show up. Amen? He's going to put everything in your path. Once you decide you have a calling, he's going to really challenge you in that calling to see if that's where you really are going to be faithful in. Amen. He's going to throw a monkey wrench into your unforeseen future and make sure that you don't get the glory, if you would, for God that God's looking for you to give for him. And by all means, in your finances, prepare for retirement. Well, that's true in your spiritual life. Where do you want to retire from when you leave this world? Well, you better start preparing now. There's only two destinations, and you need to prepare for the one and have the requirements under your belt, if you would, for graduation day from this world. Amen? In Matthew 10, 22, it says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's what Jesus said. But, on the other hand, what but means, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You've got to endure some things. As good stewards, you have to know there's some problems on the horizon. The devil's going to see to it that it happens. I don't care if you do have ten talents, and I don't care if you do say, I don't need any more money, I've got enough. Devil will throw something in your pathway to try to trip you up so that you miss out on heaven. I have seen lives that I thought, man, oh man, they weren't prepared when it came their time to meet their maker, if you would. Now, I'm not God, and I'm not saying they're not going to be in heaven, or I'm not saying where they're going to spend eternity. That's not my call. That's totally between them and God. But I would hate for any of us to put in the time, to try to be faithful, to try to be the steward God's called us to be, to take the time to be what we should be in everything we do and then miss out on heaven because we didn't go quite far enough. Amen? Now, but when I read that, ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, colon. And add to that, so that's what a colon means, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen? Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to be sanctifying ourselves. Let's continue to be faithful. Because he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You know what the everyday version says in that? Mike will probably switch it for you. He's pretty sharp at that. The everyday version says, he that keeps the faith. Huh. Are you faithful? Amen. When God calls the names out in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
Well, we have been found faithful in that call. Amen. God owns everything. Don't ever forget that. God owns everything. We're just here to be stewards of what he wants us to be stewards of, take care of what he wants us to take care of. He just wants us to be faithful and take care of the things that he's put in our paths. I can't do anything about what's going on in South Carolina or Texas. God didn't put me there. But I need to do my part where he's planted me here. Brother Jack used to say, bloom where you're planted. Amen. That's what we need to do. Don't try to run the world altogether. Just be faithful in your personal calling and the rest God will take care of and will handle. We just need to be faithful because it's required of us as stewards to walk where God wants us to walk. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.